You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com. Uh, <laughs> first trade folks, if you do not know. Anyway, this is a show where we're educating new investors and traders. What's going on, everyone? And welcome back to First Trade. Today is episode number 19. Getting getting close to that, that 20. As, uh, I mean, I feel like I say this every episode, but I'm just honestly impressed by the amount of episodes we've gotten through. I have my lovely co-host with me today, Mr. Michael Murray. Mike, this is the second time we're doing this today. How are you feeling? Um, I mean, I was only on for like, what, four minutes earlier? During the, um, what do we have on? It was, it was, we had man's we had man's teaching us about options and yeah. that was a really good episode um i did mention in the episode i'm gonna be like working on my first options trade which i will granted it's only been like a couple hours since we recorded that <laughs> but today is a pre-recorded episode with a pretty sweet guest um and I'm, I'm excited to have him on and have you guys learn about his trading style and what he likes to do why don't we get into uh what we're talking about today we have fs trades on um and so for those of you who don't know, he's a, a day trader, a swing trader. He's been trading for uh, quite a while. Um, and, you know, he mainly targets stock with momentum, a lot of hype. And I'm going to let him come on in a second here and tell you a little bit more. But just, just know, you guys are about to learn something. I'm excited. All right. FS, what's going on? What's going on, guys? Thanks for having me on. For sure. For sure. Thank you for taking the time and joining us today. How's it going? It's going good. Uh, actually, it's a good day off of trading today. Just relax. It's nice to not look at the screen for once um, on a Wednesday. So yeah, uh, I bet. Yeah. Um, are you are you so are you are you usually like trading every day? I know so you're a day trader. You do swings, but I don't know. Like, are you are you trading all the time, or how does that look for you? Uh, it depends. Uh, if the market's hot, like it has been the past few weeks. I like to maximize my time and be on the laptop as much as I can be. Um, but if you look at maybe March and April when the market wasn't doing so hot, uh, I felt like, you know, there wasn't that many plays, at least for my strategy for dip buying, because everything was dipping, nothing was rebounding. So days like that, weeks like that, time frames like that, I just chill out, you know, mentally refresh, get ready for the next hot market. Nice, nice. I think I think that's smart, and I and I've heard it from a couple of traders too. That like, the the really good ones know when it's time to just like you know, 
take a day off and, and wait for the market yeah. to get better. Um, so you mentioned a little bit, and I, I do want you to just, for the people who don't know you, go a little bit deeper and, and tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, but also you mentioned, you know, like your dip buying. So what, in, for you, in your eyes, what does it mean to buy the dip or buy the panic? Um, it means getting a quick discount or fire sale on an otherwise in-demand product. So I think a good analogy uh, to look at it is if you look at two different gaming consoles right now, one is the PS5 and one is the Xbox 360. Uh, the PS5 could be, you know, you could use that as a parabolic OTC, for example. It's it's very high in demand. Uh, sentiment is very high. People want it. It's out of stock constantly because the demand is so high. And if you look at an Xbox 360, uh, the demand used to be high. Like if if you could look at it as a chart, it used to be, you know, a big runner. It, it went up big and now it's kind of petered out. It, it ran maybe a few years ago. Um, so if, if Microsoft came out and said for the next three hours, the Xbox 360 is on a 30% off sale, uh, you might you might get a couple hundred buys here and there, but you, wanna, you won't expect a big bounce because the demand isn't there. It's time's come and gone, it's ran, it's not, it's not hot, it's not uh, what's trending, quote unquote trending. Uh, the PS5 is the exact opposite of that. PS5 is now, it's hot, it's in demand. If Sony came out and said for the next three hours, we restocked the PS5 and we're having a 30% off uh, sale, the demand would be insane. You'd see orders through the roof. And if you think about OTCs like that, is if you want to find stocks or just low float, uh, small cap, momentum stocks in general, the ones that are really in demand and that are running big, like your quote unquote PS5s, if you do catch a temporary sale, fire sale discount on those, the odds of those bouncing are much higher than if you try and dip by a Xbox 360. So a former runner, that hasn't ran in a long time or uh, choppy sideways or has already been downtrending for six to eight months, for example. Uh, so I, I like to look for those those PS5s and I, I'm, I'm using these consoles because it's uh, I'm trying to get it in an analogy that new traders kind of can understand with no charts, like can't show charts right this second. But if you look at OTCs, like if they're in, in demand as a PS5 and they dip quickly, the odds of those bouncing are much higher than uh, like a, a 360 whose time, whose time has come and gone. Uh, it's not as hot right now. Sentiment is everything, the OTC in parabolics, in these, <clears throat> like these volatile runners. So that's kind of what I look for. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, I guess the real question is just how do you know what's a PS5 and how do you know what's a 360, right? But uh, I'm sure we'll get to that. I want to backpedal a little bit. Uh, I think we got a little bit ahead of ourselves. Going back to that question of like how you got into it when you started trading. Um, and the question we have to ask every guest on first trade is, of course, um, do you remember your first trade? And can you walk us through the details of it if you do? Um, you know, what ticker it was, why you chose it, and how did it pan out for you? Yeah, sure. Uh, it was actually a dip buy on Tesla uh, back when I was a senior in high school. So this was when Tesla was one, $120 which is like mind blowing to believe it was $120. Um, I took my first finance class as a senior in high school. 
we're going over these things called stocks and this new <clears throat> company making you know electric vehicles which is which is very weird at the time but there's been some uh some hype and some potential around it uh so for whatever reason i don't remember if it was earnings uh, a market uh, macroeconomics catalyst whatever it dipped from like 120 to 80 within a few weeks and me being a broke or a high school senior i told my dad uh the stock ha might have potential and it's been hot and it's you know dipped pretty quickly in a couple of weeks and i told him to buy it and he was like you're an idiot high school senior you don't know what you're talking about uh so he didn't buy it um the next month it went from 80 to like 150 and i did end up buying one share because that's all uh, the money i had at the time so my first trade ever was tesla around 80 dollars i sold it at like 130 140 even though it was one share that was my first trade ever uh, and that's what brought me into the world of trading and uh, really piqued my interest and got me hooked hell yeah that's awesome man how do you find the stocks you want to trade how do you decide which ones you're looking at uh you know i look for big multi-day or multi-week runners so whether it's a an otc uh whether it's a listed stock in nasdaq new york stock exchange uh low market cap runner i look for stocks that have run up two three four x more within a few days weeks a couple months maybe max and i look for volume i look for increased volume in that run up i want to see clear resistance breakouts parabolic euphoric action i want to see just in a nutshell parabolic action big multi-day or multi-week runners on massive volume and i, I love those all right, that's awesome. So, so one thing I'm curious about, like, let's talk about falling knives, which obviously that's you know something where you know people are trying to catch something that's on the way down. How do you know to look for something that's on the way down but is about to see a reversal or a rebound? How do you make sure you're not jumping into something that still has room to fall further and that you're not trying to catch that falling knife? Like, what indicators do you look for to make sure that you're catching something as it's about to rebound or go on its way back up? Well, you can you can never know, and I've caught falling knives before. Um, I actually caught a, a wheat stock. I think it's MedMen, ticker MMNFF. I had a 100K loss in a day. And I tweeted about it and I had a screenshot and everything. I caught that falling knife on that dip. What I could have done better and I talked about it is come uh, my losses quicker, things like that. What, what you should look for to increase your odds of avoiding catching a falling knife is support levels on the chart. So if, you, if you've identified a, a parabolic runner and it's a multi-day, multi-week runner, there's massive volume, uh, massive liquidity. What you want to identify are clear resistance breaks uh, previously in the uptrend, and maybe those can act as support levels further on. They might act support, and that's where you can uh, start to size in. But support can fail, like with my amendment trade. Uh, I ended up losing 100K in a day, and it was, it was tough because... They don't happen that often usually support holds in a parabolic stock because when we have a, a quick fire sale on an otherwise in demand stock usually the buyers come in and they'll buy it up sometimes it doesn't happen so in that case um especially i think with a smaller account with a bigger account you can tend to be or you can afford to be a little bit more sloppy because you can average down but with a smaller account you should really be strict and you should have uh, predetermined stop losses whether it's 3% exit, 5%, 10%. If you have a strict preset stop loss and you stick with it, that can avoid, or that can help you avoid catching falling knives. Because if it starts to break through support after you've already bought, you'll be out. Whether it drops another 50% or gets halted or, or whatever the case is, if you follow risk management in that scenario, 
you'll be out. It just comes down to admitting you're wrong sometimes, cutting your losses, looking at previous resistance breaks, previous support levels in the stock, uh, just levels of interest. Maybe you're looking at or trying to identify patterns, whether whether you see a wedge or a descending triangle. It just depends on the chart, but the chart is a really good indicator of potential support levels. And then risk management comes into play big time because you will be wrong at some point. Uh, you can either be wrong big or you can be wrong small. You can either lose a few thousand or do what I did uh, a few months ago. And I tweeted about it because I like tweeting about big losses because big losses are what teach you. Uh, you can either catch a falling knife and lose 100K in a day, or uh, you can learn from that and cut your losses quicker, which is what I did next time. And I ended up recovering uh, many times over. But that's that's what you have to learn. Uh, risk management and then look at the chart, identify uh, resistance support levels for potential entries. Yeah, no, that that's that's really good. I, I think it's you know it's one of those things that a lot of our guests have come on and talked about. But like, you can't get too emotionally invested in trade, and we talk about this like every episode too. But like you said, sometimes you have to admit you're wrong. That that's not the easy part too, right? Because once you're dug into no. something, I think it's so easy to want to defend your position, defend why you took it, and you're like you're wanting it to come around too. Like you're emotionally invested in it. But I feel like something that can help with that too. I mean, as you're evaluating things and you want to know like when you're setting up and why you're getting into something. Do you use any indicators? And you might have kind of touched on this already, but do you use indicators as far as, you know, evaluating what positions you want to take and why you're taking them? Any scanners or anything like that that you use to kind of help you make your decisions? When I look for previous support levels um, or potential entries in a dip buy, moving averages can sometimes play, play a very important role. And I do have a video on that on my YouTube. That's more for the daily time frame, So that's not really for day trading, although it can be if it touches that daily moving average the 50, 100, or 200 daily moving average intraday. If it touches that, it can be a day trade. But for more for swing trading, uh, I can I use those uh, moving averages on parabolic stocks as they're dipping for potential swing entries. So that's what indicator I use. Another indicator is if the stock is wedged, for example, or, or descending triangle, or just having a, a topping pattern. I use patterns a lot as an indicator. Uh, I love I love wedges. I love them on breakouts. I love them on panic sales. That's where just being unbiased and just following price. One of my favorite Twitter follows, uh, Tom Canfield, I think his name is. His favorite slogan is be dumb, follow price. Uh, I just look at the chart. I look at what it what it's telling me. Uh, if there's a support level, that's you know on my radar as an indicator for a potential uh, entry in a dip buy. If there's a resistance level as the stock is rebounding, I'll maybe look to scale out as it's approaching that resistance because you never know, even though the stock is, is dipped, it might not recover because once that panic sell happens, uh, that euphoric sense in the uptrend is broken. That momentum is, is kind of gone. So it, it depends on the chart. It depends on how far it's run, the liquidity, uh, if it's above the 50-day moving average, which is very important for me when dip buying. I size up big if it's above the 50-day moving average because that means it's still technically in an uptrend. If it breaks that 50-day, I'll look to size down on any dip buys, um, and it just depends on the chart. Uh, everything I do is just price action based, so support, resistance, volume, patterns, moving averages, just things like that. Do you have any examples you wanted to kind of dive into further? I know you mentioned you had some. Um, if you want to get them pulled up, let's do that, and uh, I'd love to hear a little bit more. Yeah, definitely. Um, I did make a little slideshow. Uh, first slide, it's just a few bullet points, nothing too uh, crazy in detail. 
Uh, I did want to talk about how to best increase your odds of success when attempting to defy. Okay. Uh, number one, and I talked about this a little earlier, uh, look for strong runners, uh, like stocks that have doubled, tripled, uh, quadrupled, et cetera, in a, a short amount of time. So multi-day runners, multi-week runners. For me, a couple months is usually the max. When I look for parabolic runners, like really euphoric, just insane, uh, you know, runners. Uh, ignore ignore weak ones, stocks that have run before, but are now 67 to 80% off the highs. Like going back to my, you know, kind of corny console example, like a 360, Xbox 360. It used to be parabolic. It used to be very in demand. It used to be very hyped. But now if, if Microsoft came out and said, we have a sale in the next three hours of, of 360s, no one really cares because it, it's it's a weak runner. It's it's had its time. It's not. You're, it's not so you're saying basically like uh, I want to just make sure I'm understanding this. So you're saying looking for things that are like are pick particularly on a really strong uptrend, um, and so that's why you're saying you want them to be trending in that direction for some time, but not for too long of time because then you think it might you know be on its way out sort of deal. Like that's why you said a couple months is your cap. Yeah, because if you have that big move in a couple months, then it's not really, it's not just an uptrend. It's just euphoria. Like it's, it's not, it doesn't make sense how strong that the sentiment is. It's, it's not sustainable. So for those type of stocks that go 5X, 10X within a couple months, those are full of like buyers and demand and people waiting to dip by. So if those dip versus a stock that's, you know, up 30%, over six months, not only do you have much more attention on the ones that have run up 10 X within two months, you have more profit potential. So if a, if a stock of 30% in six months dips 20%, you can maybe make five, 10, 12% if you time it amazing. If a stock that's up 10 X in two months dips 50%, you know, panic sells intraday, you, you have 30, 40, 50% uh, bounce potentials. So the risk reward is insanely, you know, uh, favorable when you look at short-term parabolic runners. And I'll show you charts in a second because it'll make more sense when you kind of visualize it. But yeah, so I, I usually ignore weak runners, um, strong runners. They take the guessing out. People are actively seeking to own the stock now. The sentiment is high now. Like people want to buy this now. Another quick tip is avoid buying the little sell-offs, like quote-unquote sell-offs. When I see I love, a, how, you have, I love how you said, don't be a trigger happy degenerate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, because this was me in my first few years of trading. So I, I know a little bit what I'm talking about, but sadly, because it's, it's because of experience. I used to buy every 2% sell off and I, I expected a quick bounce back. And uh, when that big knife happened, I just got destroyed because I bought every 2% sell off. And that's, that's not dip buying. That's just being a trigger happy degenerate. You want to be patient and wait for panic, panic sells to set in. So I usually, uh, my benchmark is a 15 to 20% drawdown, bare minimum, that kind of, uh, if you discipline yourself to wait for those, that kind of avoids, you know, you catching that knife when it, or if it likely eventually does crash, like so many of these parabolic stocks do, because it's unsustainable. That price action can't be sustained long-term. So if you buy every 2% sell-off, if it dives 40% next week, you're crushed. So, you know, to increase your odds of success, wait for that really big panic sell 
and then study key support levels on the chart for potential entries. How often does a sell-off like that happen? Or are you just like waiting for it to happen? Like how often do you enter, you know, panic sell-offs like that? Big dips. It's it's a waiting game. Last year, uh, 2020, just and even the beginning of this year, like January and February, just had so many runners that every other day was a, a huge panic sell. And you could literally clear 30, 40% trades every other day with, with size because they were so liquid. It was, it was nuts. Uh, but in a normal market, like a calm down market like this one, uh, you, you have these maybe once, twice, three times a week. And, you know, I this is my main strategy. You know, obviously it's not, uh, doesn't have to be somebody else's main strategy, but this can be another tool to add into your like uh, trading arsenal. But it's a waiting game. You find a parabolic, you set your alerts, and more than likely when it will or when it will panic sell, uh, that's when you act on. But what it is, it's a waiting game and alerts are your best friend because uh, some days I don't want to sit down from my laptop 10 hours a day. So right. Yeah. So why did these strong running stocks bounce after a panic sell? It's because you have three main groups of traders doing the buying after a sell-off on a strong running stock. So on a parabolic stock. First group is current investors. And sometimes they can be future bag holders, like the ones who are so biased to the upside, they can't believe, you know, or fathom that the stock will go down. But current investors who see an opportunity to average down and a, a term you'll see on social media on Twitter is uh, cheapies, like just cheap shares. So current investors who are holding shares and they want to average down. Second major group are uh, new investors or traders who missed out on the parabolic run up. And now they have an opportunity to get in. So now they've been sitting on the sidelines. Uh, they've missed out on the all the gains that everyone else has been making. And now they have an opportunity to jump in for cheap. The third major group uh, are short sellers. And uh, sometimes they can exit their shorts at a profit, or sometimes at a loss, because when you short a parabolic runner, it's a very dangerous game. You, lose, you can lose a lot of money. Uh, but when they exit their short positions after that big crash, because that's what they wait for, they exit by buying to cover. So you have current investors averaging down after a big panic sell on parabolic stock. You have new investors and traders who missed out buying the dip. Now you have short sellers who just cashed out, but to exit, they have to buy to cover. So when you have these three groups all converging and, and doing the buying, it creates a perfect storm for a quick post panic uh, rebound. These three forces are insane because you can get quick 30, 40, 50% bounces that are super liquid, like you can size in with hundreds of thousands of dollars. If you have a bigger account, uh, even I had a smaller account, you could grow it so fast just because of these three groups of traders. They storm the price on a big uh, panic sell. And that's why this pattern is, in my opinion, the best pattern in the world. And that do makes sense. I feel, like I, I feel like I've been, you know, one of those three people. So like, I totally understand that why, why that works, you know? So my first example is AMC and I'll go over these uh, quick. So this is a one month, I think one minute chart of AMC. So this fits the criteria of a big multi-day, multi-week runner because it went from 10 to 70 in, in a month. That's parabolic. So that's not just an uptrend, that's math, that's parabolic. You see the increase in volume along with the uh, parabolic move. So that's an indicator that more money is being moved in here and that's more demand. So if you have a big panic, so the odds are those big three groups of traders, current investors, investors who missed out, and short sellers are going to buy on a big panic sell. And 
zooming in here. This stock, uh, I was actually, um, I was in, I was at Yosemite. I was hiking when this happened and I had crappy Wi-Fi and I couldn't trade this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but this went from uh, 67, 68 to almost as low as 40. And this was in within like, uh, and this is under an hour of the market open. So this is a panic sell. So this, this, if I had Wi-Fi and had full access, I would have loved to buy this because this went from, you know, 41, 42 to a high of 56, 57 within 30 minutes. And you you very rarely get moves like that uh, in any other pattern, you know, unless you're trading options or, or things like that. But this V-shape right here is one of my favorite patterns to play because this stock was in demand. It's parabolic. The volume was there. If you're patient and you don't, you can trade these little dips like these. But like I said, if you actively buy every little sell-off, when and if that big knife happens, you're crushed. So if you missed out on this rally and you sit out and you set your alerts and you be patient, when this happens, you can capitalize on that. And you could have also capitalized that on a second time. But I missed out on that too because uh, I was uh, hiking with no Wi-Fi. Still hiking. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So AMC was an example of a larger, a much larger, more liquid uh, parabolic. And those aren't, they're not as common because it takes so much more money to move them because they're billions of dollars in market cap. Uh, here, SEGI, S-E-G-I, is an OTC that actually ran uh, the past few months. And I think it's collapsed now. I haven't even looked at the chart. This was late 2020. This fit the pattern of a parabolic runner to a T, uh, massive multi-day, multi-week runner. Um, I don't even know what this is. This went from subs to five cents. So this is hundreds, maybe thousands of percents. One of the indicators I kind of mentioned earlier was to look for topping patterns. So here you see a descending triangle, which usually means a, bear, a bearish uh, pattern, especially after a massive run-up like this. So I was waiting for that downward break. If it broke upward, I would have ignored it. Uh, it wouldn't have been a dip buy, would have moved on. This was also a nice uh, dip buy here, but I missed this. But I was watching uh, for this break, and it actually did break down. And this is the intraday one-minute chart of that breakdown. And this looks exactly like the AMC rebound. So you have that quick collapse from three cents to two cents, which is you know even though it's just pennies, a thirty percent, thirty-three percent loss uh, within ten minutes, ten fifteen minutes. Then you have that quick rebound from two cents to almost three cents, which is almost 50% in also 10 minutes, which is nuts. And this was super liquid. The volume here was nice. Uh, and on my YouTube, I actually have this exact panic. So recorded live with the level two, uh, which is a whole other like complex topic, but I use level two to time, to time these uh, dip buys, to try to time the bottom. And I recorded this live and it's on my YouTube if you guys wanna watch it. I caught this exact same one. I think I alerted it to it's it's the same exact pattern as AMC. If you see AMC, it's it's big multi-day, multi-week runner. You get that initial panic and you get the big V-shape rebound. The same thing with with uh Seji, you get the huge runner. This was also a nice panic buy, but I was waiting for this uh this descending triangle collapse. And then you got that and you got a nice almost 50% bounce within 10, 15 minutes, which is nuts. You there's not many places you can find that in the market. But if you if you set alerts for these runners, if you're prepared, you can make a quick 20, 30, 40%. Uh, and 
and so, so the time these are super liquid. Can you talk about like how you would go about setting alerts for this? Like, like do you set alerts for specific stocks or, or do you have something that's like, like I'm very kind of new to that part of it, but that was going to be my know. question too. Yeah. Yeah. Like how, how do you, how do you know when this is happening? Like whether or not like a quick panic sell and it like tells you or how does that work? Oh, uh, well, it, it, I think it varies a little bit from scanner to scanner, but basically, so going back to AMC, I wish I could draw this, but this is just a screenshot. So there was kind of wedge here. So kind of mentioned earlier, one of my indicators is to look for like wedges, descending triangle, just tight coiling action after a massive run up because those breakouts or breakdowns will be violent. So here you could have seen that this was kind of wedging. So if you could imagine line going here and the line going there after a 10x move in under a month, you want to keep an eye on that because now price is getting so contracted, there's going to be a big breakout or breakdown. So I set my alerts for like 75 and 76 if it got above that. And I set my alerts for, uh, I think like the high fifties for that day. And I kind of just went about my day. And then when I got the alert for the high fifties break, then I sat down and pulled up AMC. Uh, so it doesn't. So you're the, just setting like price alerts, basically. Price alerts. Yeah. So the okay. purpose of the alerts is to tell you when the big moves are happening. So you still have to kind of sit down, look at it, try to look at previous support levels. Like right here, this was a, this is a gorgeous support level. Um, just if you can imagine that line right there. Again, that goes back to looking at previous support resistance levels on the chart. Uh, if you look at Seji, this was a descending triangle. So again, I set my alerts for, I think, three and a half cents here and then maybe uh, 2.8 cents, something like that. So I set my alerts and I kind of just ignored it. Whenever the stock broke out or broke down, I would have been notified. So I set those alerts. It eventually broke down. I got notified right away and then I pulled it up on my screen. I, I guess just like just to... Um clarify so your process is like you still go through look for those stocks that are essentially parabolic runners have been making big moves and then after looking at that um, and you find these stocks you look at the support levels decide where you want to be alerted such alerts and then wait for your alerts to tell you when to come back and actually come trade it yes and i do that every day or every other day just depending on how many runners there are and it's a lot of work and most of the time uh, they don't pay off because on, these stocks don't crash 40%, you know, quickly a lot. It's not often, but when they do, you can have a quick 30, 40% bounce. And it's, it's, it's so awesome. If, if you're notified of these and you're prepared, you can act on it. So it takes a lot of time to go through these stocks individually, find the runners and then set the alerts and then kind of to be ready when the alerts go off to pull it up, look at level two, if it's OTC, look at previous support resistance, whatever it is. It is a lot of work. It's a lot of upkeep because you have to change them every day because the stock price moves. Um, but if you're on top of it, you can catch these moves. And that's kind of what I do. That's my main strategy. And I do that over and over and over. Man, yeah, that's awesome. I, I feel like, yeah, it definitely sounds like it takes like a dedication to do it, but then obviously it pays yeah. off, right? So <laughs> definitely. How do you personally decide your position size when you're entering to buy these dips? I, I love that question. Um, so that depends on liquidity and the market cap and the volume. So if you have a, a stock, for example, it's a $20 million market cap and this, the spreads are between a penny and a penny and a half that I will, I'll probably avoid. I wouldn't touch it at all because the, it's so illiquid that if you try to size up big and you take a big position and then you want to exit that position, you'll have to fill on the bid and you'll lose money that way. 
it just depends on liquidity. I like to see volume. I like to see super tight spreads. Okay, cool. So like, it's not like a, I know a lot of traders take like a percentage of their portfolio and decide that's what their risk is. But you, for you, it just kind of depends every trade. I don't think I'll ever risk more than 25% of my portfolio on a trade. But again, this comes, I think with experience in the beginning, I think you should never risk such a large percentage right away. Uh, I actually think it's nice to paper trade for a while and then start off with a couple hundred dollars at most. It's not about the money in the beginning. It's about the process because the money you make now is, is meaningless compared to if you know what you're doing five years out, that money will be your entire account. Like one day's profit five years out will be your entire account today. Many times over, if you stick with the process, you know what you're doing. So I think in terms of position sizing in the beginning, if you're trying to learn this strategy or any other strategy, size up small and learn the process. Because if you can't position size correctly with a $1,000 account, you won't be able to position size correctly with a $500,000 account. So start off as small as possible, observe, scale in, size up slowly, because it's it's a marathon, it's not a sprint. The market will be here for the rest of your life. There's no reason to rush the process, because more often than not, when you rush the process, you end up getting losses quickly. And I've blown up accounts so many times that like it's engraved like deep like in my DNA to not rush pro like rush. New I try to learn new strategies sometimes too, and I do size in super small in the beginning because I know it's dangerous. It's risky. Got sure. it. That's cool. I wish someone told me this when I was a newer trader, but I think the best advice I can give to newer traders is don't think about money now because five ten years out, a one day profit will be many times your current account size. Focus on learning what to do, managing your current small account uh, correctly so you can manage a larger account correctly in the future. Yeah, and you can't trade tomorrow if you lose all your money today, so. Exactly. Yeah. Trade within your risk parameters. Love cool. that, man. There we go. Lots of, uh, you know, knowledge shared on today's episode. Um, FS, thank you so much for coming on. Um, appreciate you going through and, and taking the time to explain everything there. I definitely like, I want to, I want to watch, like, I, I may even like DM you a little bit about this, but I, I want to try and like, even if I don't trade them, I want to try and see if I can catch those like uh, panic cells a little bit, just so I can, you know, truly learn what we're talking about today. So, I mean, I guess I encourage the people watching to try that out too. try and uh, try and take what FS said and, and at least see if you can find these panic cells and uh, be notified or whatever, when they're happening. And then start practicing it, like you said, on a, on a paper account or something small or whatever. But definitely a cool strategy and one I will be looking more into. But thank you so much, man. Thanks, guys, for having me. Uh, it was awesome to talk to you guys. I really appreciate it. For people who want to learn more about this and, and continue uh, following your journey, where can where can they find you online? Uh, my Twitter handle is uh, FS Trades. Uh, my YouTube handle is FS Trading. I do want to trade that or, uh, change that over to FS Trades just to make it easier. Uh, and I only have those two. Okay. And folks, definitely uh, check the links in the description to, um, you know, find his YouTube channel and his Twitter. Definitely recommend giving that a follow and checking out some of those videos. And of course, uh, some of the ones we mentioned in the video itself. But without further ado, uh, we will catch you on next week's episode of First Trade. Thanks, FS. Thanks, guys. Peace. Uh, see ya. American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more right here in the U.S. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. 
That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Code STAPLE20. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com.